Warning, the subject matter in this video may be sensitive for some viewers, and viewer discretion is advised. Also, if you cry during the story, that's not my fault. Okay, it is. I wrote it, but it, just enjoy. Life? Life can be a, a fickle thing. One moment, everything around you can glow in the warmth and comfort of celebration. The next can be overcast by the sounds of a prayer spoken over a pine box. As the thread of our lives spins from the skein of our future and are slowly woven into the tapestry that becomes our history, we can rarely anticipate where the snags will be. Even less can we anticipate what may cause the thread to be frayed or, God forbid, cut prematurely. Metaphors aside, there are things that happen in life that you can anticipate, but never truly expect. You were one of those things. We knew it could happen, yet when it did, the excitement and anxiety were palpable. When it came to you and the joy you were supposed to bring to our lives against what actually happened, what hurts the most is that it feels like there were only a few days throughout the years that changed everything. A few short days that had the most impact, while the others fell to the wayside. She and I, we'd been hoping and trying, and to put it bluntly, failing. We had discussed the future, the intentions of having a family, and we both agreed that we would wait until we were 25 to even think about it. Then, on my 25th birthday, we had the discussion again. We were financially stable, had a nice house, and were both relatively healthy. There was nothing standing in our way, and it was time for us to follow through on our plans. We tried. We tried for two years. We went to specialists, made plans, and did everything we could to make sure that each month would be the one where everything would work out. Each and every time resulted in the aforementioned anxiety, and it would quickly turn to disappointment. There's a limit to how many times one can get excited about something and have it come crashing down around them, and I hit my limit. For her sake, I would always pretend to be excited when she would say, this might be the one, but deep down, I was getting tired of it. Yes, I wanted to have a family, but it wasn't working, and while I may not be religious, I can take a cosmic hint. I think after a while... She realized that my heart wasn't in it. I know that a few times, she took the tests without even telling me that it was a possibility. Maybe, maybe she wanted to catch me off guard and spring it on me when I was at my lowest. Maybe she thought that it would be a bigger surprise if I didn't see it coming. Maybe she wanted to see that light return to my eyes, that excitement of the first time when she said I might be pregnant, Maybe she was growing distant through all of this and couldn't handle the thought of letting me down each and every time 
The tests came back negative. We could sit here all day and just think about the possible situations, but honestly, it wouldn't change anything. Each time there was a possibility, it was shot down by the crushing blows of pain and failure. Of course, as stated, we went to the specialists as any desperate couple would. They ran their tests, they poked, prodded, collected, and questioned only to come to a final conclusion of, we don't know. I never knew that you could spend so much money and so much time to not be given a solid answer, but that is exactly how things went. They told us it could be me. Maybe there was something wrong with my genetic makeup that caused this to not work out. They told her it could be her. Maybe she just wasn't physically able to get pregnant. They told us that there were a million and one possibilities, yet they refused to single any of them out as a certainty. Obviously, this did nothing but add to the anxiety and the pain. To be told that there was no definitive reason for the failure, yet here we were. I had to come to a personal conclusion. I was done with trying to have a kid. If it ever happened, great. But I refused to let it bring me down or control my life anymore. While I had made this decision personally, she couldn't. She couldn't bring herself to just simply give up, and when I tried to talk to her about my decision, let's just say that I slept on the couch for a week or two. There was a point where I thought that she had come around to my side, and that she was done with stressing out over the whole situation. I thought that she had finally gotten to the point where she was willing to let go of trying and that we would just live our lives as best we could. I was proven wrong. It was a chilly morning in mid-October. I remember waking up and she wasn't at my side. I didn't think too much of this. Maybe she had just gotten up before I had. I remembered sitting on the edge of the bed and glancing out the window... I remarked to myself that it was an eerily foggy morning. It was one of those mornings where, despite the fact that the sun was mostly up, you could barely see the neighbor's house through the fog. It's one of those details that is so mundane, yet it sticks to the walls of your mind like it's the most important detail that life has ever presented to you. I remember getting out of bed and walking into the hallway toward the only bathroom we had. I remember pushing the door open, and within half a second, a cold dread flooded the entirety of my being. There aren't words to explain the pain that you feel when you see someone you love lying in a tub unconscious with a bottle of pills lying next to them on the floor. There, there just are literally no words. You know how... In every explanation of what death is like, there's this cliché statement made about how every memory floods back in an instant. It's like that. Your heart just starts racing, the adrenaline takes control, and your brain goes into preservation mode. Playing through every single loving moment you've ever spent with this person in some sort of effort to prevent this from being that lasting memory. I called 911, 
They were at the house in less than seven minutes. They rushed in the door, and I know they asked me a thousand questions, but not a single one of them resides in my memories. I don't know what I said. I don't know what they said. I just know that there were words spoken, and the room was spinning faster than I could possibly handle. I expected them to come in and walk back out to get the body bag, but... When I heard the paramedics say there's a pulse, it was like being reborn at that very moment. It was like I was the one dying, and those words were the shock to my heart that brought me back to this earth. The rest of the paramedics rushed in to wrap her up and get her onto the stretcher. Everything moved so much faster when there was some sense of hope, when there was a semblance of a possibility that she could be saved. The next few days were confusing. A cacophony of paperwork, medical questions, being told things I didn't quite understand, and having to make phone calls in the off chance that she did not make it through. I was able to take some time off from work, and I don't think that I left the hospital for longer than an hour while she was unconscious. I don't remember what she had taken but the doctors all told me that it would be a while before she woke up. And that... that was an understatement. For some reason, when they said it would be a while, I expected a day or two, not a solid week. I slept on the chair next to her bed each night. I ate nothing but vending machine food and was basically running on Mountain Dew by the time she finally came back to the waking world. I was sitting in the chair, reading a gardening magazine for the twelfth time, basically just staring at the shapes of the words instead of reading what they said, when I had glanced over and her eyes were open. I think I literally threw the magazine off to the side and jammed the emergency button. The nurses ran into the room expecting for something to have gone wrong, but when they saw that she was awake, I think they forgave me for freaking them out. Over the next few days, she spoke to doctors, therapists, and various family members. She explained herself a hundred times over, promised to get help, and moved on. I think, of all the people she spoke to, I was the only one that she really didn't. Not at first. At first, she refused to even look at me. Maybe it was the shame of the situation. But I made sure that she knew I was not angry with her. I made sure that she knew I was there for her until the end, and I wasn't going anywhere. Despite this... She seemed so reluctant to even acknowledge my existence. On the day that she was finally able to come home, this tension was at an all-time high. Then, it suddenly burst when we got into the car. She turned to me and told me that she was pregnant. I don't know how to explain what I felt when that happened. She could have told me at any point in time while she was lying in that bed, but she chose that exact second, and I honestly don't know what I was feeling. I asked her if the doctors told her while I was out of the room, and she just smirked at me. I asked her again when they told her, and she simply told me that they didn't. I was obviously confused. 
How could she have known if they didn't tell her? Unless maybe she took a test before she had gone to the hospital? But then, why would she have done what she had done? Part of me wanted to not ask. Part of me wanted to nod along and decide that she just knew. But with this whole situation, I had to make sure that she wasn't losing it. I wish that I had stuck with my first instinct. I wish I had never asked. Her explanation was nonsensical. He told me, was her response. I, of course, asked who he was. Was he a doctor? A nurse? God himself? She explained to me that while she was in her coma, she was in a, a strange, foggy place. She said that while she was there, she seemed to be unmoving, yet was constantly in motion. She said that her sense of time was non-existent while she was there. Every day was both a second and a year. She said that while she was in this strange place, she could see other people, but she could not interact with them in any way. They all seemed to have their routines, but none of them noticed her. She kept on about various details of this strange world, and she told me that near the end of her coma, there was a man in the fog with her. She stated that this man appeared to be a plague doctor from the Middle Ages, yet he was also dressed in a modern getup. She said that he sat on a bench near the edge of the fog, and he seemed to be surrounded by birds, ravens to be exact. She said that he was polite and understanding, and that he was the only person in this foggy world that was able to talk to her. Then, she said that he told her that she would get what she wanted. He apparently told her that she would be given her child, but that it would come at some sort of cost, some kind of e equal exchange. She went on about this creature, about their conversations, and her discoveries in this fog-covered world. I didn't know what to do, so I listened. She seemed to truly believe that this insane dream was some sort of message, some kind of omen from this bird-man in the fog-filled world where time didn't matter. All I could bring myself to say was, that's a pretty crazy dream. And this was certainly not the best thing to say to her. Her excitement and her smile both dimmed down to anger as I made my comment. I could see the tears starting to well up in her eyes. I told her I was sorry that I didn't mean anything negative by it, just that it was a dream, and that was all. She was adamant that I was wrong. She told me with a fervor that I had never known her petite frame to muster, that she had died, and that this foggy landscape was some world between the dead and the living, and that this man... He was some sort of deity that was capable of granting her a wish. She even went as far as to tell me that I wasn't the father, and that her child was to be born from her and this deity. She vehemently opposed my statement about how this was nonsense. She screamed at me and cried harder than I had ever seen her cry in an attempt to both demean my statements and convince me that this was all real. I let her get out, 
then reluctantly and falsely said I believed her. I apologized. I hugged her and told her that I would support her no matter what she went through, and that if she says it happened, then damn it, it happened. If nothing else, it calmed her down and got her to a reasonable level of anger. I didn't mind if she was mad at me. Honestly, I had more of an issue with her being so passionate over something that simply did not exist, over some medically induced fever dream where some man cosplaying as a plague doctor induced pregnancy as some sort of gift from the gods of limbo. The pregnancy statement only added to the confusion for a few reasons. Everything about her said she was, indeed, pregnant. She was going through the morning sickness. She was having the weird cravings. Her body acted as if she was actually pregnant, and after a couple of months, she was starting to show. We went to the doctors, and they ran their tests, and they all came back with a confusing diagnosis. Pseudosiasis. Basically, they informed us that everything she was experiencing was from a false pregnancy. She wasn't actually pregnant, but her body was acting as if it was. I was... well, I was confused. And, of course, devastated. But she... she laughed at them. The doctor tried to explain that this wasn't an uncommon situation to go through after a traumatic situation, and that it would simply resolve itself after a while. He further recommended that she should go to therapy and address what had happened a couple of months prior. She told him simply to shove his diagnosis up his ass, because he was wrong and she was going to have a baby. He turned his attention to me and further explained everything. I tried my hardest to help her through this whole situation. I explained everything to my manager and moved to a remote position so that I could be near her 24 hours a day. She spent her free time redoing parts of our bedroom, organizing various parts of the house to be childproof, and even buying clothing for a non-existent future baby. She spent all of her time preparing for a child that she had been told would never come. A child that no medical professional was able to find. She had never had a positive test, the ultrasound found nothing. For all medical intents and purposes, there was no child and never would be. Despite this, she kept growing in size over the next few months, showing that somehow every medical worker that had touched her was incorrect in their diagnosis. Then, one day at around noon... She walked into the room where I had been diligently putting together spreadsheets and presentations for my boss to send up to his boss, and she told me it was time. I was, once again, in a very confusing situation. My wife was standing in the room telling me that her water had broken and that we needed to be rushed to the hospital so that she could have the baby. A baby that, again, didn't exist not even looking at the possibilities of insurance not covering the procedures of a faux pregnancy or the stares that we would get from the doctors and nurses when we told them that she was about to give birth. I was overly concerned 
for what the end result would be and how it would affect her mental state. She had already hit her end once before, and if we left the hospital without a newborn baby, I knew she would not be able to handle it. As I expected, while she was in the room for delivery, the doctor pulled me aside and wanted to speak with me about her mental state. I explained to them that she had been to therapists. I told them that she had been taking her medication, and I spilled out the contents of every single conversation that we had had for the past nine months. I knew they thought she was crazy, and I knew that this was a waste of time, and I scarcely held back the floods that attempted to escape my eyes when I told him that I knew this was not going to end well, but I didn't know what else to do. It is a rarity that a doctor, especially ones that have been delivering babies for over 20 years, will look you in the eyes and show genuine compassion and concern for your health, while also agreeing to deliver a non-existent child. I don't think he really knew what to do. He didn't have a plan of action, but he nodded and he went back into the room to follow through with everything she wanted. After somewhere around five hours of chaos, you were brought into this world. My little girl that was not supposed to exist. The doctors were as baffled as I was. Nothing during these past nine months had medically proven that you existed, yet she was adamant that you did, and somehow, she was right. You were cleaned up crying and screeching as you took your first few breaths and then whisked away to the ward for newborns. The situation quickly shifted to standard operating procedure. Everyone went from just going through these motions to satiate her request to taking care of an actual medical miracle. When all was said and done, you were beautiful, and when they finally brought you back into the room... They had opted to give us some time together as a new family. I I remember those moments were, as I've said many times, confusing. She was holding you. You were sleeping. And I was sitting in that chair next to both of you with the biggest grin on my face. I commented on how gorgeous you were. I said that you had her eyes and hair. And I remember... She laughed and turned her head to me, and then she just shattered my world. She stared me dead in the eyes and told me that I was not the father. She told me that you had no father, that you were simply a continuation of her, and that you were gifted to her from the man in the fog. Part of me... God, part of me thought that having you in her arms would snap her back to reality, but it seemed like it just reinforced her thoughts. In those few moments, in those few words, I felt every bit of my joy shatter into what amounted to nothing. <laughs> I had humored her. I had worked with her. I had done everything in my power to keep her happy and keep you healthy while she was pregnant, and this is how she repaid me. With her psychotic bullshit about some other world that she saw in a dream back when she had tried to kill herself. I wanted to be mad at her. 
I wanted to scream at her and tell her that she had lost her damn mind. I wanted to, but I couldn't. And even if I could, I never got the time. She hugged you tightly, and she told you that she loved you more than life herself, and that she had given it all for you. Then, she handed you to me, and told me that she also loved me. I could feel myself wanting to cry, but for your sake, I didn't. I stared at your bright green eyes, and even though you were only a few hours old, I knew that you knew who I really was. Within moments of my holding you and staring into those bright eyes, my admiration was cut by the sound of a flatline. The nurses rushed into the room and jumped into trying to revive her. Nothing worked. Of course, I was questioned. They wanted to know what happened, and I told them the truth. I honestly had no idea. I was talking to her, I was holding to you, and then she was gone. They they struggled to believe me at first. They were suspicious that I had done something, or that she had managed to end her own life. But they accepted what I said as fact after her autopsy. Her heart had just stopped. Simple as that. It was a sudden cardiac death. It was almost literally like someone had flipped the light switch and her life simply ended. They tried their best to bring her back, but it didn't matter in the end. It was this day where I started to question reality when it came to you and to her. She was adamant that the thing in her dream had gifted her with the pregnancy, and I recalled that she told me about there being a cost, some sort of equal exchange. Her life for yours. As much as it made no sense to me, it was the only thing I could mentally accept. Maybe there was some sort of supernatural force in play. I didn't want to fall into that same mental trap that she had, but something about everything... It was odd. Regardless of what I wanted to believe, I now had you to take care of, and that's just what it was. I didn't get the chance to mourn for her whatsoever. I had to dedicate my time to my newborn daughter, to keeping you happy and healthy. It really wasn't easy balancing my work with being a single parent, but I managed. I never missed an appointment. You had my attention the minute you made a sound, and even though I was sleep-deprived and felt like falling apart, I still kept going for you. You grew faster than I ever could have imagined. I swear, it was like I blinked and you were in preschool. I... well, I barely looked like myself anymore. I was aging even faster, it seemed. It was somewhere around your fifth birthday that... You started telling me about things that I saw as concerning. I think it it may have actually been overnight on your fifth birthday, somewhere around two or three in the morning. I remember you coming into my room and waking me up, telling me that you had a nightmare and asking if you could sleep in my bed. I knew that this was going to be the start of the next part of your life. From this day forward... You had a grasp on fear, and how your mind could make things up without intent, and you also knew that I would do anything I could to keep you safe. 
It's a strange feeling, as a parent, to see the exact moment when your baby actually starts growing up. I can only describe it as a feeling of, well, success. I had actually done something right in raising you. The morning after, I asked you if you remembered your nightmare, just to gauge whether or not you were at the point where you would be able to really explain what it was that scared you. I wish I hadn't. Your explanation? It ripped the breath from my lungs. You told me that you had a dream you were outside, in the fog. You told me that you felt funny, and that the people that were there didn't seem to see you. You told me about the bird man, and about how he knew your name, how he had a bunch of birds around him, and how you sat there and spoke with him and you fed his birds. You told me about that same dream your mother had suffered from several years ago, albeit in a slightly more childish manner. Everything you said terrified me more than I had ever imagined possible. I, I could feel the sweat literally beating on my face. It must have been obvious because you asked me if I was okay. You, a five-year-old little girl, could tell that the look on my face was one of pure terror. I asked you what the Birdman had told you, and you couldn't remember. I pressed you, probably more than I should have, and I remember that I even scared you. I'm, I'm sorry that I did. It wasn't my intention. I hope you know that now, but I'm sure at that time it was so confusing. I wish that it had ended there. I honestly would have given anything I could to have this be the one and only time that you ever told me about this horrible dream. I wish that was it, but it wasn't. Almost every night, you came to my room and said that you had had the nightmare. It got to the point that you were just sleeping in my bed. Your room was for your toys and your clothes. And while that helped, the nightmares kept coming. They were getting less frequent, sure, but they were still happening. And you were explaining things in further detail. You were getting better at explaining what the man was saying. Most of the time, it seemed like you and him were just having plain conversations. He told you the names of his birds... He told you about the strange dream world that you were in. I wanted to dismiss all of this. I didn't want to accept that something was wrong with my little girl, but I couldn't just let it go. This was further cemented by the time you told me that the Birdman explained to you how your mother had died. It was the middle of the day. You had just woken up from a nap, and you walked into my room asking what cardiac meant. I didn't think much of it. I told you it was related to the heart and asked you why. You told me that the Birdman told you that your mother had died from a sudden cardiac arrest. There was no way you could have known that without someone telling you, and that person was not me. I never told you the how. I only told you that when you were born... Mommy had to go to heaven. The fact that you were asking me questions about the medical specifics and you knew that information told me that something was going on. 
Then, then there was the last time you had the dream about the foggy place. We were eating breakfast, and you hesitantly told me that the Birdman was going to let you see your mother. I think I lost it at that point. I told you to quit playing your games about this goddamned Birdman and that he was not real. I told you that you needed to quit making everything up and that you were making me angry. You just sat there, your bright green eyes filling with tears as you watched me accuse you of lying to me. You didn't scream, you didn't say anything, you just started crying and went back to your room, slamming your door behind you. That same fervor that your mother showed me so long ago, rearing its hideous head in such a tiny frame. I knew you were mad at me, and that was fine, as long as it meant you would stop with this nonsense. You would have been better off in the long run if you could just see that your dreams were in your imagination and that your mother was gone for good. But we never got to see if you would have been better off, did we? That conversation was the last one that you and I ever had. The last words you heard me say were stop with this ridiculous nonsense. I went up to check on you no longer than a few hours after you and I had had our little argument, and you were non-responsive. I remember opening your door and thinking you were asleep. I remember putting my hand on your arm and feeling that you were cold, and then turning you over to see that your lips had a slight blue shade to them. I knew at that moment that you were gone. I knew that I wouldn't get a lucky second chance when I called the paramedics. They came in, they asked their questions, and they took you out in a zipped-up, dark, plastic bag. Once again, I was questioned by the police, by the medics, by my own goddamn family, but again, I was cleared. The doctor said that you had had a heart defect that had gone unnoticed, Probably that same heart defect that brought on your mother's cardiac arrest. They said there was no way that I could have done anything to save you unless I had been there the exact second it had happened. And since you had gone in your sleep, it was considered an inevitability. A perfect storm. The exact circumstances leading to you falling asleep while crying because I had made you mad and then you were just gone. And just like that, I was alone. I was forced to sit in this house where my wife had attempted suicide and where my baby girl had passed away in her sleep. I was haunted by the memories of seeing her in the tub and your cold and lifeless face and the fact that our last conversation was me yelling at you. I buried you right next to your mother with the same thought in mind. I never got to tell you goodbye. I never got to say that I loved you and you left me far too early. 
Both of you had your threads cut way before they should have been, especially you. I started this path with those moments of celebration that she and I would have been told that she may have been pregnant, and I ended it in the pouring rain, drowning in the overcast while someone recited a prayer over your pine box. Anxiety, anticipation, excitement, none of these words had any meaning to me anymore. What more could life throw at me? What else could fate do to me that I wouldn't expect? I had lost my wife, I had lost my daughter, and I had honestly lost any reason to even keep going. The day you were conceived happened just after what I thought was going to be the most terrifying morning of my life. Those days, watching her lie unconscious in a hospital bed and asking the universe to just give her a second chance to give her back to me. Well, I got what I asked for, and she came back, and she was given what she had asked for. You. The day you were born, she was happy. She was given that chance to see you, to hold you, to tell you that she loved you. And then that exchange happened. You were given to me, and she was taken. On that day, when I knew that she wasn't coming back, I asked for the strength to keep going for your sake. And I got what I had asked for. I hardly slept. I hardly ate. My entire life revolved around you. By the end of it, I was looking like I was about to be 50 at the ripe old age of 32. But I was able to keep you healthy and happy. The day you died, I begged to have you back. As they lowered your casket into that hole next to where your mother had been buried for all this time, my heart shattered. I knew that you didn't feel any pain and that it was an instantaneous death, but I needed you to keep myself going. When you started telling me about the place in your dreams, I never knew what to say because your mother had told me all about it and she made sure to tell me that the man in her dreams was the one giving her what she had wanted. You told me that he had mentioned your mother and that he was going to let you see her if you wanted it. When you said that, and I exploded, it was because I was scared that he was going to follow through, and what's worse is that he did. He took you from me, and he gave you what you wanted. This man, this so-called Birdman, was giving everyone everything that they wanted. But it seemed like there was an exchange each time. Something of equal value was lost when something was gained. She became pregnant with you, but her life was given for you to be born. You wanted to see your mother, but your life in this world had to be taken for that to happen. What's worse? I think looking back, he may have even been listening to me. I asked for her to come back after her suicide attempt, and she did but she was never the same person, and we grew distant, and then she was taken too. When I held you that first time, 
I was asking for the strength to raise you by myself, and though those five years were tough, I managed. I feel like aging over ten years within that five was my payment for that strength. All of that was enough to make me think that maybe, just maybe, he really was listening to me. If that wasn't enough to convince me at the time, I honestly cannot question it anymore. Only a couple days ago, I put you in that pine box in front of my family, in front of the churchgoers, and various people that had come to pay their respects. I watched as that box was covered. I stood there as the rain soaked the dirt and it sunk around where you were laid to rest. I stood there and I cried my eyes out for a few hours before I finally just had to leave. I fell onto my bed and I stared at various photographs of our lives together, myself and her and then myself and you. I just flipped through the pages a few dozen times until I had managed to drink myself into a solid blackout. Then, this morning, I woke up to a horrendous hangover, and I noted two things upon opening my eyes. There was a thick fog lingering outside my window, and you were standing idly at the foot of my bed. I thought you were a hallucination at first, but once I was able to fully open my eyes and wake up, I knew for a fact that you were real. At this point, you've been standing there and staring at me with your pale, lifeless eyes for what feels like forever. Or, or maybe it's only been a couple of moments. I can't really tell as my brain seems to be failing to comprehend how much time has actually passed. I've tried to match the half-smile that feels artificially plastered on your gray, shaded face, but I can't. I see you. I know that you are real, but you are no longer my daughter. Whatever you are is something that should not exist. Something that I brought on myself just by asking for things to be different. Now, as I lie here and maintain eye contact with whatever it is that has returned in place of my daughter, I'm fully aware that he has been listening to me, and he's been giving me exactly what I've been asking for. At this point, if this is what I'm being given. I'm terrified to find out what it is he's going to take in exchange. So that was A Few Short Days, written by yours truly, as the Raven Dreams, or Raven Adams, however you want to call me. I hope you guys enjoyed this story. Um, probably the most emotional short story I've ever written. Definitely the longest short story I've ever written for this. Um, overall, 
I came up with the idea for this story whenever I was trying to fall asleep and was dealing with my insomnia. And I had an idea that was simply three phrases. The day you were born, the day you died, and the day you came back. That was written in, like, October, I think. Um, and then it became this story. So hopefully it was worth the wait between when I wrote that note and when I actually wrote the story and then when I narrated it. Hopefully you guys liked it. If you did, please do consider hitting that subscribe button and please leave me a comment letting me know what you thought. These original stories, um, they mean a lot to me. And I love writing, and I want to make sure that what I'm writing is good for you guys and that you like it. So if you did enjoy it, please let me know. Let me know what I could have done better. Let me know what you didn't like. And yeah, just all that. Also, please consider uh, subscribing to the channel. I don't know if I already said that. If I didn't, hit that bell icon, hit the subscribe button, hit the subscribe button. And yeah, join the Nevermore. Also, follow me on all the social media platforms, support over coffee, channel memberships, or Patreon. All optional, all appreciated. Um, all that said, friends, I hope you have a beautiful day, and I hope I will see you on the next video, and until then, sleep well.